Welcome to Interview with a Podcast Vampire, where three best friends talk about the filmography of one Tom Cruise. And this is the second episode, so we will be discussing, unrelated to this music, Taps... Let's just review the intro music oh, for the next boy. 30 minutes. Let's spin off another show <laughs> to do that, because good lord, we could do it. <laughs> Highway so, to uh, the podcast zone. Oh, oh hello. Let's just let's get the trademark office phoned <laughs> up right now. Uh, Dan Lundesquare is one of our hosts. He's, uh, he's a big star on Paper Keg Podcast proper, mm-hmm. Book Jug, The Flap, I mean, he does it all. I don't know how you find the time. You're the VP of merch for Paper Keg Radio Syndicate. You're a father. You have the best gray hair I've ever seen. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, I just, you know, you, when you believe in so, something so much, you just, you're tirelessly working towards making it the best thing yeah. you could possibly do. And, and that's, I fully, uh, wholeheartedly believe that about our products. Oh, I thought you were talking about your gray hair. Oh, man, I... Yeah, I am. I'm so fortunate and lucky to have yeah. this head of hair. I actually am very fortunate, and I hope it stays like this. Just this, a little bit longer, you know, mm-hmm. a lot longer. Maybe I would. I would kill a man for your hair, but that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. We have one more host. Sure. The man who sure. would kill. <laughs> the man I would murder for your gray hair. He's a writer. He's a father. He he wrote his own comic book, you know. So he is ripe for the hosting gig of this show to talk about Tom Cruise's filmography. Who cares if it was never published? Jonesy loves beer. Welcome uh, back. I certainly don't care. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, anything I can do to get a little piece of Tom in my life is yeah. worth it. So I'm happy Absolutely to be agree. here. That's what we all do. We, I, think, I think if we make it into a show, we make it into a priority to get the little things we enjoy into our lives. Because if we don't prioritize it... Well, let's be real. Dale would be happy with 60 episodes of Cocktail. But, well... Yeah. Are we going to do... So we did Cocktail on a, on the Paper Keg podcast. Are we going to do Cocktail again, or are we just going to insert that MP3 of a I, previous review? I would think Dale would not allow us to not do <laughs> Cocktail again. No, I, I, I mean, I would be perfectly fine with using that material again, but if we... Because yeah. that's yeah. a month off from doing this, even though we started it on our own accord. It's not like we can complain about <laughs> taking a, a month off. Such a tragedy that we're doing this podcast we wanted to do. We made our own bed, now we got a weasel out of it. Right. So Taps is the second film that our our dear friend Tom Cruise has been in. And I knew nothing about this movie outside of George C. Scott being in it. And what is what is Taps, Jonesy? What year did this movie come out? Can you can you give us a little backstory? You, would you like me to give you a little, uh, you know, little info for your heart's desire? Please do. Uh, this feature film, starring our dear friend Tom Cruise, uh, directed by Harold Becker, uh, in the year of our Lord nineteen eighty one. Uh, you'll remember Harold from such films as Mercury Rising. Oh wow! Sea of Love. City Hall, Domestic Disturbance, Madonna Celebrated, 
Masters of Science. Classic. Classic right there. And the list goes on. Uh, so TAPS is uh, about the cadets of Bunker Hill Academy, a long-standing, uh, over 180-year-old institution of military development for young boys to turn into officers. And, you know, the greedy 1980s excess developers, you know, they, when we all say it was their idea, they're the there, have decided they're going to close this long-honored establishment. And I think those 80s developers have been the villains of, I think, 30% of the movies that came out of the, the 80s. I, I want to say more like oh, yeah, 95%. <laughs> so the evil developers say, you got to close this uh, this academy. And the, the old honored General Beige, who kind of uh, is the headmaster of this academy, kind of gives a rousing speech that, you know, this is our last year, but guess what? We're going to fight it every step of the way. And what happens is something very tragic. You know, the boys are having their, I guess you would call their senior gala. They all get dressed up in their dress blues and they have their dates and it's kind of like their prom. And the townie boys, as as of course all townies do, get all uppity <laughs> about having a special school in their town. So they pick on... Uh, uh, the cadet kids, you know, Tom Cruise being one of the ones that is, uh, you know, cadet captain Sean, he's like not going to have it. So the, there's a, uh, you know, a scuffle. Uh, General Beige comes out to break it up and accidentally somebody discharges his firearm and a tiny boy dies. And so now the public's like, this place is getting shut down. You know, right yeah, down no in Chinatown, year. getting shut down. There's no, no year. year. It's just done. <clears throat> so what do we have then? We have the meat of the movie. Uh, Timothy Hutton, uh, which is a brilliant actor in our generation, uh, one of his first roles here, Sean Penn's first role. Uh, Hutton mm. plays Cadet Major uh, Moreland. And he gets all you know the cadets together, including Tom Cruise as uh, Captain Sean. And he says to his five captains, hey, guess what? We're not going to give up the school without a fight. And using a by-the-book military operation scenario, the cadets take over the school. And what we have then is a pot-boiler plot of the country who thinks they're domestic terrorists and these young military-trained boys who love nothing but honor and these ideals that were instilled into them who want to fight for the school to be open. So the movie takes a very realistic turn and that nothing but tragedy comes from this scenario. And eventually a young promising cadet, part of the, you know, the beret company, the special forces company of the school, uh, that our dear, dear fellow, Tom Cruise himself um, just can't handle the pressure. And darling Captain Sean loses it at the end. And uh, unfortunately, Major Moreland has to pay the ultimate price for that. <laughs> Taps. 
<laughs> so the way, the way you said taps yeah. sounded way more enthusiastic taps. than me. <laughs> the last five minutes of your synopsis. Taps. And there you have taps. I uh, like Slim. I had no idea about the... I knew the movie existed. I knew, uh, you know, Chris Penn was in it, or Sean Penn, and uh, Tom Cruise and all that. Um, George C. Scott, uh, Old Blood and Guts himself, General Patton. But I had no idea that it was about kids taking over a school and using live ammo to defend it mm. all in the name of getting Beish, uh back and keeping the school open like like this would have ever e- happened a plan like this would have ever executed the way they would want to have wanted it to how do you Timothy Hutton is an up-and-coming stud and becomes a major. He looks up to this general, and he, they celebrate his majorship with the students. And, man, how poorly do you raise children in this military environment that they think it's a good idea to hijack the school and make demands? I mean, the first... I've, like, I thought it was a very well shot movie The like very long shots. And the opening frame of the movie is just this slow, uh, like gurney shot into this like church scene. So you, it was a very, like it felt almost artsy because there's so little locations filmed in this movie that, you know, you kind of have to make do with what you're shooting with, I guess for this film, it's like the school grounds and you know, that's it. One shot in the town. That's the whole film. Right. Yeah. But the beginning part of the movie, you almost felt like I was in a propaganda film. The way uh, Hutton and the general were talking about how the military, it's all about the military. It's about your honor and all that stuff. Man, I was like, this is like total brainwash movie. I wonder if the whole movie is like this. Yeah, because they worked, I mean, uh, the way George C. Scott just kept on about how you know, the military is about honor, but civilians don't want honor. They want shopping malls and whatever else. Like the, So what, you know, the leaders of mankind are born and bred inside these halls, but that's not what the people want. That's not what the plebes want out there. Like he, he had a very old school, I mean, I, and I, I don't want to assume, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of people in the military think that. So it's, that's just the mind of, you know, where they've, where his career, he made his career since he's 12 years old in a uniform. So, but it was very sending a message like that in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. I did though, to your counterpoint though, as much as it was, I guess definitely could be perceived as propaganda to have the boys follow that military, like strict military structure and to have the people, um, I guess their antagonists respect them for it. I thought did a lot to drive the movie for me emotionally. Like there's a scene early on where the cadets, I think they first take over and the next morning they raise the American flag. And even though the state troopers are there to stake them out, they all stand up and take their hats off when the flag goes up, even though they're against these cadets, like Mm -hmm. they still honor the flag together because they're part of something bigger and the same way um, that the colonel, uh, what's his name, the the main antagonist, I guess, towards the end of the film, uh, 
Mm. Um, Brian Cox. Brian Cox, or Ronnie Cox, I think. Ronnie Cox, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Cox kind of, whenever they come out and do their morning fall-in, and whenever they, you know, they do their maneuvers, or especially, I guess, especially when they do the funeral uh, for, uh, spoilers, General Bache dies at some point in the film, like, Ronnie Cox is kind of... Uh, thinks they're like he he appreciates their respectful you know he's yeah. respectful of their their code of honor uh, even though his i guess the climax of the film his speech is you know honor while being great is not as great as being alive and you should never sacri- you know you should sacrifice your honor if it means staying alive that's the true mission of every sh- uh, soldier and i thought that was an interesting counterpoint to i guess the entire film but I mean, look at it, your perspective is pretty much like military rules, and you should be a part of it because it's so great. But it's but that's what you're going to get inside of the halls of a military academy. I mean, right. you're going to get no less from the headmaster speaking to a cadet major, giving a 16 year old brandy and thinking that's cool. <laughs> well, yeah, but but you're in the you're in the club. I mean, you're cadet major of the military academy like there's nothing more prestigious in this in this guy's in this kid's life that's what he knows you know what i mean and to become cadet major that's you know it's a big deal and and like you're like what you said at throughout the movie they they handle themselves in a, such a professional manner other than the fact that they he went off a, a little bit of a deep end to try to keep the school from closing right. using live ammunition and sandbags to barricade themselves in the schoolyard. Before we get further in, Dale, what did you think of Tom Cruise's first line in this film? Morning, hey, Brian. The Dungeons and Dragons game today? Uh, not tonight, Sean. Bless you to ask. Oh, I was like, are we going to get... I was like, are we going to get cadets playing Dungeons and Dragons in this movie? Because if so... He just threw movie. his pants off right there in his <laughs> <Yes>. basement. <laughs> the, uh, there was... the. I I think there's this happens in a lot of older movies for me, but the scenes where the 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 gala where they go and have this big dance and the townies are outside and they like start to antagonize the cadets. And they're like, "Why isn't Kevin Bacon there to save the day?" <laughs> yeah, why can't he just dance and save the day here? But they're like, it's just such a weird moment where I guess instinctively. Why don't they just go back inside? There's, there, I mean, what good is going to come out from in, from ten cadets fighting, you know, ten townies? And what's even like stranger out of that scene, but like the one little kid starts to see trouble even after the one major, the newly crowned major, comes out and he goes to get the general, like the headmaster. Why would that be your first instinct to get this general to? settle what's happening with these townies like that wouldn't be my first instinct and that's what this little kid did yeah the i thought it was odd too like as much as i guess boys will be boys but as much as they've been instilled in their education you think they just be the bigger people and walk away and that's what i was expecting i did i didn't expect a tussle that was going to turn it break into a royal rumble yeah there were a couple times that they broke rank very atypically in this movie to serve a quick plot point. Yeah, especially when George C. Scott had a live round in his ceremonial. And he's like, oh, piece. I forgot this one live round that had to be in the chamber. 
So at some point he loaded a, a magazine, put a live round, you know, pulled the slide back, cocked it so that it was con- in condition two, and then was like, yeah, I, this is how I carry my firearm around all and, the time. And he, at no point did he make a statement that he didn't even shoot the gun. Is he just so far along in senility that he assumes that he shot the gun, or did was it just an assumption that this other kid shot it and nobody cared? Because he didn't shoot the kid. The one kid that was on his back fighting him pulled the gun out and shot it. I don't know if he pulled the oh. gun out or he just, he was wrestling for the pistol and it discharged while it was in the, in the uh, holster, I thought. Hmm. I viewed it as the kid shot the gun and the, and the general took the heat for it. But hmm. that, that was a scene where like the, like it was just weird watching this fight scene and the audio of the fight was just so crappy. It was like the pitter patter of like little tiny. <laughs> It looked like they hired an intern to, all right, we need audio of like 30 people fighting in the street. And can you add that in right here? And Can you take can some you, foam sticks and beat them against the can ground? Can you throw a bunch of empty aluminum cans down a hallway and just take that recording? <laughs> it was so strange. And, but man, I, I started to like get, anno- like, I don't know who to be angry at when I just saw Timothy Hutton throw his d around with these kids because he's eating it up he's eating up being a major these kids look up to him and it's just so bewildering that at at, like not only just he he thought this was a good idea but his cadets also thought this was a good idea tom cruise who just turned out to be a total nutcase character in this film but sean penn he's like a berserker yeah he's like jarhead he's he's waiting for that action and he finally gets it later in the movie and boy, just I just like was watching it and like, what are these kids thinking? Like, you should be in prison for putting these kids through this. Yeah, absolutely. And the 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 wheels just never stop coming off. Like you think there's no redemption. Like I, I for some reason I thought maybe there would be a, a happy ending or something. Like there would be some form of redemption in Moreland's character that he would be able to like even in the face of all this he's just proven to be a psychotic for thinking this because he thinks he can do this he thinks he can lead these people but all throughout the movie they get they get desertions like clearly the students want out Mm -hmm. at particular times but it was just so weird the pacing because you know, the one little kid at the beginning, he runs and jumps over the fence. He's like, get me out of here right now. And then he has to have a, a chat with everybody and says, if anybody wants to leave, please do so now. You won't be, you know, knocked for it. You won't, I'm not going to, you can't be disciplined or killed with live rounds of ammunition that we have here. It's Nobody leaves, but then people like are just abandoning, like they're sneaking away at night. Like it's just constant lack of leadership like there's no nothing redeeming yeah but i think that was kind of the point was even though that you can strive for honor if you don't know what you're doing in the end honor is not enough to carry yeah, it no, through yeah i think you're absolutely right i think i was just looking for a reason for the movie i, I it like yeah. it turned out it was kind of like I mean, you were looking for toy soldiers. 
And instead, you I got think taps. I was. I think I was because it was. Yeah, you're right because it ju- it was like this weird dramatic m- movie that turned into like this arty movie where there's no happy endings in this. Where I was just thinking it was going to be, but but the way I can't phrase it right, but. But it, it turned out in, into an arty kind of indie movie. The the somber tones it all it took like it went it kept going downhill. But the fact that it was such a cheesy plot to begin with, right. it definitely like, went it, it definitely went art house route. Like this very towards very much so towards yeah. the end where the one kid was killed and Hutton just walks into the darkness at the end where he like you know this is what you brought and then he walks into the shadows and then the next day when the S hits the fan, uh, they champagne carries his corpse out and they all just walk into the fog. Like it doesn't get any more art house stylish yes. ending yeah. than that. You like, mean he, any more than the final scene, which is in they're all alive and their dressage parade to show that they were once innocent. <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. I mean, they just replayed that scene from the beginning. At that point, I was like, I just get this movie over with. Mm-hmm. I have to sit through this whole parade scene again. Uh, two hours it. for a pot boiler story was too much, I thought, too. It could have been an hour film. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, it, it, it's just, it turned into an art house somber film, but, the like, just the feel of the movie, like, these these kids hijack military vehicles, and they start, like, deploying sandbags, and you know, stealing food like you think it's going to turn into toy, like to, yeah, toy soldiers or or like Red Dawn. Like it just has that feeling because it's like these these teenage, um, you know, obviously they weren't sex symbols at the time, but they were like teen heroes. Oh, maybe for and you. And they're like military BAs. You think it's going to turn into something, but it doesn't turn into that at all. It's just like this is what you get when kids play with you know. <laughs> well, kids, kids play, play with, with the big guns. It's the, it's the biggest anti-gun film of the 1980s. Uh, it's also the anti-do-anything-with-electricity-and-gasoline. Yeah, really. <laughs> the part where I really just cracked up because it was so bonkers, and the way it was filmed was when they <laughs> you were kn- trying to... <laughs> and you knew it was going to happen. Fix the generator? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they, they didn't f- hit you over the head with it at all, did they? <laughs> He's like sloshing around the gasoline as he pours. Oh, yeah, splash, right, splash. right here, guys. You didn't ask me to do this, but I'm going to just start part of this gasoline all over. Sure, I have a Zippo lighter that emits a spark right next to these fumes. All right, hit the switch. Got it. That was awful. That was so terrible. I, I mean, at that at that point, that there were so many like flags. Like, okay, yeah, we're doing something crazy. We have taken over this base. Oh crap! One of our dudes just got lit on fire. Maybe right. let's take a step back here. We're out of control. And even then, that doesn't really falter them. Like, wake the f and up! You're a psychopath. I will say, Tom had the most BA line of the movie, though, and that's when uh, Moreland, the second time, he rouses the troops and he says, uh, "All right, if you're not into this, you guys leave." And a whole bunch of people start moseying off, and one of uh, Tom's red beret steps up and he's like, you know, he's still proud, but he's not sure about us. And Tom goes, Where does the bloodthirst of a 16 year old Tom Cruise, who, like, let's how be does honest, he get that looks blood- like he's 30 in this film? 
how does he get so bloodthirsty that he needs to kill because he's going to a military academy? Like, what's in... What? How balanced is this kid? Yeah, what's his backstory? But man, he was a loose cannon in this film. He was like weird. He was... It looked like he put on a bunch of muscle weight because he looked kind of like thick in the face. And then when he was like lifting weights in that one scene and the one kid was asking him for a grenade or something. Like when that one kid was at looking for a grenade, I oh, was yeah, like, oh, he that was kid's going to blow himself up and this is going to blow the whole thing wide Zero open. Zero payoff. <laughs> and it didn't even happen. I thought that was going to be the moment where everyone's like, oh, this is crazy that this is happening right now. No one knows what happened with that kid. He just went off yeah, in the darkness took, and took a grenade and just like, yeah. gee, thanks. Uh, you know, Tom and this, you want to hear some trivia? Called from the pages of IMDb. We're running out of tape. You got to get to that trivia. Uh, Timothy Hutton and the rest were all offered to spend, uh, you know, this was filmed at Valley Forge Academy in our dear old state of Pennsylvania. Very close. Uh, So they're all at Valley Forge Academy, all the main uh, cadet captains. And uh, they they were given six weeks to go through real military school so they could get in touch with these characters. Tom Cruise, two weeks in, said, you know what? Too hard. I'm going to stay at a hotel until filming starts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was like, that would be me. I'd be like, you know what, guys? Go ahead. I get this cushy hotel room. I'm going to be just fine till we're ready. I thought it was, in terms of realism to that topic, I thought it was amazing that the, I don't know if it was just regular police were wearing those blue shirts or if they were like state police or whatever, 99% of those policemen had mustaches. I thought <laughs> yes, I, I thought it was so strange that every almost every one of them had this awful looking mustache. They had a big gut. And even the military guys like you would not make it in the military. Who is this man on the street that you pulled in for this military outfit? Some of them just look like schlubs. He's the governor's muscle, Slim. Oh, that, I remember that line. That was interesting. No, I thought he was great. He was great in that role, though. That's Ronnie Cox. You don't, you don't get a bad performance. Robocop. I mean, just look it up. Mm-hmm. Finest role. Total Recall. Oh boy, another great one. I mean, how about when Tom Cruise unleashes a flurry of M16 gunfire <laughs> when they're in the town? He got crapped on for that, but I thought that was a pretty good move. To, I mean, maybe to not first hundred rounds. That, that was a good move, but then that was like when I was like, "This is not what I expected for this movie to be." I, They're like, <laughs> he's firing live ammunition, which it, this it, apparently Bunker Hill Military Academy is in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, like and there is there is enough there's enough guns and live ammunition in this place. I think the guy's like, we're doing inventory about 147 M16s. Ten thousand should have been. Ammo. Should have been shut down just for the the gun guns that they had in storage. Yeah, because they're like, what are we where what are we going to use for our uh, drills? Where are you firing this gun? <laughs> like, hopefully you're taking our the training. school bus. No, our training. Yeah, yeah, our training. Hopefully you're driving the school bus out to the woods to the firing range because <laughs> before I, before I lose this in the scene where Tom fires an M16 into the air. Look how low he gets on that squat. I mean, his ass cheeks are on asphalt (laughs) at some point. (laughs) And he just screams at the top of his lungs. Ah, ah. 
<laughs> my knees could support my full body weight as I scrape against the street. Just a crazy movie that, like, the thing it made me do was really think about the bigger picture because, you know, the it's filmed on location at this military academy and they try to touch on some of the parents, like, requesting their kids, but there's a hundred kids at this school. There's at least one parent per kid. Like, how are there not... How they're not beating down that fence. Yeah, exactly. They're not lined up outside, and they're not performing. Like, they don't have the seals, just like the uh, Moreland's dad, they don't have the seals come breaching the back entrance of the school. Which Be- I thought was going to pay off later in the film, too. When yes. Moreland's dad is like, uh, every, even these cops are going to figure out that you have no wall behind the school, and they could just jump behind you whenever they want. But no, that trained military colonel was like, no, there's no way in there. I don't get it. No, the governor will eventually let me take the school. Like, there's a hundred kids in there. Just wait till 3 a.m. because they're all going to be effing asleep because everybody wants to sleep at a normal bedtime. Yeah. yeah, Or just wait until they run out of food. Or just shut off their water. Shut off the water. Shut off the power. No, well eventually but i mean they they were still watching mash and cable tv cut it all get the electrical crews out there (laughs) that should have been step one day one hour one cut it all off then we'll be done this will be done in a week there's a hundred kids in there with grenades live ammunition like the parents the a hundred sets of parents aren't busting down the governor's door like they don't have the federal government where's the press where's everything like that's what made me think mostly about the movie i'm like the bigger picture but uh, you Mm -hmm. know it's a small movie so yeah obviously there's a room for you know that not that stuff but it's just like come on they just he just did a oh he just did a display in front of the uh the colonel you know he asked anybody if they wanted to leave and they didn't what if he's hold, what if he said before, like if you and if you leave i'll shoot you in the back <laughs> like so so they're they're being held hostage they just it looks like they're not being held hostage i also felt like when he did that it was only like 10% of the cadets like i felt like there was 100 more just in their bedroom like just didn't and feel it, like and it was because at some point they're outside and they ask everybody to fall in and there's still kids in there going like, it's over, it's over. Yeah. It's oh, over. Yeah, yeah. It's over. I mean, they just yeah. needed as many... Fall in, fall in. <laughs> as many background players they needed, they had for any given scene. There was... They, did, it, they paid attention to zero continuity. Like, other than Tom Cruise and Moreland, there and should Trump have been a mutiny. There should have been a mutiny. <laughs> From the inside. Well, Sean Penn tries to in that scene where he's like, I'm going to play a TV interviewer. Well, that and was I, weird. That was like his moment where he broke like, like emotionally. Yeah, like, That was like over the top. I just well, broke. And even if you're friends with Tom Cruise's character, we would all be having secret meetings at 1 a.m. knowing that Tom Cruise is squirrely. <laughs> and yeah, okay, yes, if yes. we decide to give up, we need to have him locked in a room or something. We need to gas him. He will murder every one of us with an M16 (laughs) that he doesn't let go. Right. He sleeps with that thing. You have to know that he's going to go off the deep end. You don't let him out of your sights at all. I wouldn't let him alone anywhere near a family member. Like, it's over. Like, you just Mm -hmm. signed their death warrant. And then then it's proved at the end of the movie when, 
he empties the clip completely of his M16. So he then moves to the stationary sandbag, fully automatic, like, I don't know, what is that, a 50 cal? I don't know what the it's gun like is. It's like a howitzer. It's, it's like a 50 caliber it's, it's machine absolutely, gun. What is that doing there? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I just propped it up in my bedroom. You know, on the off chance, I would have to, you know, shoot a tank. But how did the colonel survive getting shot? <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. He got shot in the neck. How did he that happen? Shot. Yeah. That was a kill shot. He's like laying around like someone just slapped him in the mouth even, after he got shot. <laughs> even if you had a vest on, a fifty caliber round would break your sternum. I mean, you would, would not look, be getting up from that. You, I th- it might even explode your chest at some point. Yeah, just, coming your out heart the back, just explodes in your chest. He'd be eating his own heart at that point, and he would just be like <laughs> blubbering to himself because he didn't, he doesn't know what's going on, and he just like walks away with his arm over one of his buddies. <laughs> So we're two for two for Tom Cruise being a total bat s. <laughs> the beginning yeah, he, of his career he, was just you know, I mean his his cause like his uh, responsibility count for deaths is off the charts right now. <laughs> yes, he was exactly. responsible for that first movie destroying a family. He destroyed even more families in this movie. So we'll see we'll see what's coming up next for Tom. But uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up right now. What what it's our on next a bad streak Cruise film is. I think Does it might be uh, Born on the Fourth. No, not Born on the Fourth no. July. Let me see. I can no. pull it up right now. I think it starts to get exciting after this. Actually, The Outsiders. Oh, great film. Nineteen eighty-three. What a I show! Just, mm. Gosh, what a show! Can't wait to uh, get into the good stuff. I mean, mm, we're not that far out yeah, from like it starts uh, Days good. of Thunder. Oh boy. Oof. Far and away, let's talk about it. I mean, oh, God. One of my faves. <laughs> yeah, right. Cocktail I, like, too. I love that Really? Movie. One of your faves? That's regarded as like his worst film ever. I like the uh, last scene where they're plot. I think it's just because of my love for American history. They're, they're uh, running. American in. Irish history. Yeah, and they're like racing to score their plot of land in the new world. I, th- I just love that scene. Hmm. Interview with a podcast vampire wraps up another one. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. You know, if you're if you have some free time, review us on iTunes. Send us a letter. Letters at papercake.com. And watch The Outsiders. Yeah. Because that's coming up. Watch with us. You take that thing off. The part of the song that nobody knows. Right here.